Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm here to read you a bedtime story. For those new around here, I like to annually honor the tradition of telling ghost stories at Christmas, and boy do I have a fun one for you this year. This year's story is a bit tongue-in-cheek and very ghostly. I think it's a fun one to listen to with the family while baking or wrapping last-minute gifts or maybe just to mentally escape from the idea of the holidays altogether. Whatever you need. This was written in 1894 by John Kendrick Bangs. At least I believe that's when it was written. This particular story is hard to find information about, but it is a very old story and the perfect little ghost tale for this time of year. I present The Water Ghost of Harrowby Hall. The trouble with Harrowby Hall was that it was haunted. What was worse, the ghost did not content itself with merely appearing at the bedside of the afflicted person who saw it, but persisted in remaining there for one mortal hour before it would disappear. It never appeared except on Christmas Eve, and then, as the clock was striking twelve, in which respect alone was it lacking in that originality which in these days is a sine qua non of success in the spectral life, the owners of Harrowby Hall had done their utmost to rid themselves of the damp and dewy lady who rose up out of the best bedroom floor at midnight, but without avail. They had tried stopping the clock so that the ghost would not know when it was midnight, but she made her appearance just the same, with that fearful miasmatic personality of hers, and there she would stand until everything about her was thoroughly saturated. Then the owners of Harrowby Hall cocked up every crack in the floor with the very best quality of hemp, and over this were placed layers of tar and canvas. The walls were made waterproof and the doors and windows likewise. 
The proprietors, having conceived the notion that the unexercised lady would find it difficult to leak into the room after these precautions had been taken, but even this did not suffice. The following Christmas Eve, she appeared as promptly as before, and frightened the occupant of the room quite out of his senses by sitting down alongside of him and gazing with her cavernous blue eyes into his, and he noticed, too, that in her long, aqueously bony fingers, bits of dripping seaweed were intertwined, the ends hanging down, and these ends she drew across his forehead, until he became like one insane and then he swooned away and was found unconscious in his bed the next morning by his host, simply saturated with seawater and fright from the combined effects of which he never recovered, dying four years later of pneumonia and nervous prostration at the age of 78. The next year, the master of Harrowby Hall decided not to have the best spare bedroom opened at all, thinking that perhaps the ghost's thirst for making herself disagreeable would be satisfied by haunting the furniture. But the plan was as unavailing as the many that had preceded it. The ghost appeared as usual in the room. That is, it was supposed she did, for the hangings were dripping wet the next morning. And in the parlor below the haunted room, a great damp spot appeared on the ceiling, Finding no one there, she immediately set out to learn the reason why, and she chose none other to haunt than the owner of Harrowby himself. She found him in his own cozy room, drinking whiskey, whiskey undiluted, and felicitating himself upon having foiled her ghost ship, when all of a sudden, the curl went out of his hair. His whiskey bottle filled and overflowed, and he was himself in a condition similar to that of a man who has fallen into a water butt. When he recovered from the shock, which was a painful one, he saw before him the lady of the cavernous eyes and seaweed fingers. The sight was so unexpected and so terrifying that he fainted but immediately came to because of the vast amount of water in his hair, which, trickling down over his face, restored his consciousness. Now, it so happened that the master of Harrowby was a brave man, and while he was not particularly fond of interviewing ghosts, especially such quenching ghosts as the one before him, he was not to be daunted by the apparition. He had paid the lady the compliment of fainting from the effects of his first surprise, and now that he had come to, he intended to find out a few things that he felt he had a right to know. He would have liked to put on a dry suit of clothes first, but the apparition declined to leave him for an instant until her hour was up, and he was forced to deny himself that pleasure. Every time he would move, she would follow him, with the result that Everything she came in contact with got a ducking. In an effort to warm himself up, he approached the fire. An unfortunate move, as it turned out, because it brought the ghost directly over the fire, which immediately was extinguished. The whiskey became utterly valueless as a comforter to his chilled system, 
because it was by this time diluted to a proportion of 90% of water. The only thing he could do to ward off the evil effects of his encounter, he did. And that was to swallow 10 two-grain quinine pills, which he managed to put in his mouth before the ghost had time to interfere. Having done this, he turned with some asperity to the ghost and said, Far be it from me to be impolite to a woman, madam, but I'm hanged if it wouldn't please me better if you'd stop these infernal visits of yours to this house. Go sit out on the lake if you like that sort of thing. Soak the water butt if you wish, but do not, I implore you, come into a gentleman's house and saturate him and his possessions in this way. It is damned disagreeable. Henry Hartwick Oglethorpe, said the ghost in a gurgling voice. You don't know what you are talking about. Madam, returned the unhappy householder. I wish that remark were strictly truthful. I was talking about you. It would be shillings and pence, nay, pounds in my pocket, madam, if I did not know you. This is a bit of specious nonsense, returned the ghost, throwing a quart of indignation into the face of the master of Harrowby. It may rank high as a repartee, but as a comment upon my statement that you do not know what you are talking about, it savors of irrelevant impertinence. You do not know that I am compelled to haunt this place year after year by inexorable fate. It is no pleasure to me to enter this house and ruin and mildew everything I touch. I never aspired to be a shower bath, but this is my doom. Do you know who I am? No, I don't, returned the master of Harrowby. I should say you were the Lady of the Lake, or Little Sally Waters. You are a witty man for your years, said the ghost. Well, my humor is drier than yours ever will be, returned the master. No doubt, I am never dry. I am the water ghost of Harrowby Hall, and dryness is a quality entirely beyond my wildest hope. I have been the incumbent of this highly unpleasant office for two hundred years tonight. How the deuce did you ever come to get elected? asked the master. Through a suicide, replied the spectre. I am the ghost of that fair maiden whose picture hangs over the mantelpiece in the drawing room. I should have been your great, 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 great aunt if I had lived, Henry Hartwick Oglethorpe, for I was the own sister of your great, great, great grandfather. But what induced you to get this house into such a predicament. I was not to blame, sir, returned the lady. It was my father's fault. He it was who built Harrowby Hall, and the haunted chamber was to have been mine. My father had it furnished in pink and yellow, knowing well that blue and gray formed the only combination of color I could 
tolerate. He did it merely to spite me. And with what I deem a proper spirit, I declined to live in the room. Whereupon my father said I could live there or on the lawn. He didn't care which. That night, I ran from the house and jumped over the cliff into the sea. That was rash, said the master of Harrowby. So I've heard, returned the ghost. If I had known what the consequences were to be, I should not have jumped. But I really never realized what I was doing until after I was drowned. I had been drowned a week when a sea nymph came to me and informed me that I was to be one of her followers forever afterwards, adding that it should be my doom to haunt Harrowby Hall for one hour every Christmas Eve throughout the rest of eternity. I was to haunt that room on such Christmas Eves as I found it inhabited, and if it should turn out not to be inhabited, I was and am to spend the allotted hour with the head of the house. I shall sell the place. That you cannot do, for it is also required of me that I shall appear as the deeds are to be delivered to any purchaser and divulge to him the awful secret of the house. Do you mean to tell me that on every Christmas Eve that I don't happen to have somebody in that guest chamber, you are going to haunt me wherever I may be, ruining my whiskey, taking all the curl out of my hair, extinguishing my fire, and soaking me to the skin? demanded the master. You have stated the case, Oglethorpe, and what is more, said the water ghost, it doesn't make the slightest difference where you are. If I find that room empty, Wherever you may be, I shall douse you with my spectral presence. Here, the clock struck one, and immediately, the apparition faded away. It was perhaps more of a trickle than a fade, but as a disappearance, it was complete. By St. George and his dragon, ejaculated the master of Harrowby, wringing his hands. It is guineas to hot cross buns that next Christmas there's an occupant of the spare room, or I shall spend the night in a bathtub. But the master of Harrowby would have lost his wager had there been anyone there to take him up, for when Christmas Eve came again, he was in his grave, never having recovered from the cold contracted that awful night. Harrowby Hall was closed, and the heir to the estate was in London, where to him, in his chambers, came the same experience that his father had gone through, saving only that, being younger and stronger, he survived the shock. Everything in his rooms was ruined. His clocks were rusted in the works. A fine collection of water drawings was entirely obliterated by the onslaught of the water ghost. And what was worse? The apartments below him were drenched with the water soaking through the floors, a damage for which he was compelled to pay, and which resulted in his being requested by his landlady to vacate the premises immediately. The story of the visitation inflicted upon his family had gone abroad, 
and no one could be got to invite him out to any function save afternoon teas and receptions. Fathers of daughters declined to permit him to remain in their houses later than eight o'clock at night, not knowing but that some emergency might arise in the supernatural world, which would require the unexpected appearance of the water ghost in this on nights other than Christmas Eve, and before the mystic hour when weary churchyards, ignoring the rules which are supposed to govern polite society, begin to yawn. Nor would the maids themselves have aught to do with him, fearing the destruction by the sudden incursion of aqueous femininity of the costumes which they held most dear. So, the heir of Harrowby Hall resolved, as his ancestors for several generations before him had resolved, that something must be done. His first thought was to make one of his servants occupy the haunted room at that crucial moment. But in this he tailed because the servants themselves knew the history of the room and rebelled. None of his friends would consent to sacrifice their personal comfort to his, nor was there to be found in all England a man so poor as to be willing to occupy the doomed chamber on Christmas Eve for pay. Then, the thought came to the heir to have the fireplace in the room enlarged, so that he might evaporate the ghosts at its first appearance, and he was felicitating himself upon the ingenuity of his plan when he remembered what his father had told him, how that no fire could withstand the lady's extremely contagious dampness. And then he bethought him of steam pipes. These, he remembered, could lie hundreds of feet deep in water and still retain sufficient heat to drive the water away in vapor, and, as a result of this thought, the haunted room was heated by steam to a withering degree. The air for six months attended daily the Turkish baths, so that, when Christmas Eve came, he could himself withstand the awful temperature of the room. The scheme was only partially successful. The water ghost appeared at this specific time and found the air of Harrowby prepared. But... Hot as the room was, it shortened her visit by no more than five minutes in the hour, during which time the nervous system of the young master was well-nigh shattered, and the room itself was cracked and warped to an extent which required the outlay of a large sum of money to remedy, and worse than this, as the last drop of the water ghost was slowly sizzling itself out on the floor. She whispered to her would-be conqueror that his scheme would avail him nothing, because there was still water in great plenty where she came from, and that next year would find her rehabilitated and as exasperatingly saturating as ever. It was then that the natural action of the mind is going from one extreme to the other, suggesting to the ingenious heir of Harrowby the means by which the water ghost was ultimately conquered, and happiness once more came within the grasp of the house of Oglethorpe. The heir provided himself with a warm suit of fur underclothing. Donning this with the furry side in, he placed over it a rubber garment, tight-fitting, which he wore just as a woman wears a jersey. On top of this, he placed another set of underclothing, the suit made of wool, and over this was a second rubber garment, just like the first. 
Upon his head, he placed a light and comfortable diving helmet, and, so clad, on the following Christmas Eve, he awaited the coming of his tormentor. It was a bitterly cold night that brought to a close this 24th day of December. The air outside was still, but the temperature was below zero. Within all was quiet. The servants of Harrowby Hall, awaiting with beating heartbeats the outcome of their master's campaign against his supernatural visitor. The master himself was lying on the bed in the haunted room, clad as has already been indicated. And then, the clock clanged out the hour of twelve. There was a sudden banging of the doors. A blast of cold air swept through the halls. The door leading to the haunted chamber flew open. A splash was heard, and the water ghost was seen standing at the side of the heir of Harrowby, from whose outer dress there streamed rivulets of water, but whose own person, deep down under the various garments he wore, was as dry and as warm as he could have wished. Said the young master of Harrowby. I'm glad to see you. You are the most original man I've met, if that is true, returned the ghost. May I ask, where did you get that hat? Certainly, madam, returned the master, courteously. It is a little portable observatory I had made just for such emergencies as this. But, tell me, is it true that you are doomed to follow me about for one mortal hour? To stand where I stand? To sit where I sit? That is my delectable fate, returned the lady. <clears throat> we'll go out on the lake, said the master, starting up. Rid of me that way, returned the ghost. The water won't swallow me up. In fact, it will just add to my present bulk. Nevertheless, said the master firmly, we will go out on the lake. But, my dear sir, returned the ghost with a pale reluctance. It is fearfully cold out there. You will be frozen hard before you've been out ten minutes. No, no, I'll not, replied the master. I am very warmly dressed. Come. The last in a tone of command that made the ghost ripple. And they started. They had not gone far before the water ghost showed signs of distress. You walk too slowly, she said. I am nearly frozen. My knees are so stiff now. I can hardly move. I beseech you to accelerate your step. I should like to oblige a lady, returned the master courteously. But... My clothes are rather heavy, and a hundred yards an hour is about my speed. Indeed, I think we would better sit down here on the snowdrift and talk matters over. Do not! Do not! Do not do so! I beg! 
cried the ghost. Let me move on. I feel myself growing rigid as it is. If we stop here, I shall be frozen stiff. But, madam, said the master, slowly, and seating himself on an ice cake. That is why I have brought you here. We have been on this spot just ten minutes. We have fifty more. Take your time about it, madam. But freeze. That is all I ask of you. I, I cannot move my right leg now, cried the ghost in despair. And my overskirt is a solid sheet of ice. Oh, good, kind Mr. Oglethorpe. Light a fire and let me go free from these icy fetters. Never, madam. It cannot be. I have you at last. Alas, cried the ghost, a tear trickling down her frozen cheek. Help me. I beg. I congeal. Congeal, madam. Congeal, returned Oglethorpe coldly. You have drenched me and mine for two hundred and three years, madam. Tonight, you have had your last drench. Ah, but I shall thaw out again. And then you'll see, instead of the comfortably tepid, genial ghost I have been in my past, sir, I shall be iced water, cried the lady, threateningly. No, you won't either, returned Oglethorpe. For when you are frozen quite stiff, I shall send you to a cold storage warehouse, and there you shall remain, an icy work of art, forevermore. But warehouses burn! So they do, but this warehouse cannot burn. It is made of asbestos, and surrounding it are fireproof walls. And within those walls, the temperature is now, and shall forever be, 416 degrees below the zero point. Low enough to make an icicle of any flame in this world, or the next, the master added, with an ill-suppressed chuckle. For the last time, let me beseech you. I would go on my knees to you, Oglethorpe. Were they not already frozen? I beg of you, do not do. Here, even the words froze on the water ghost's lips, and the clock struck one. There was a momentary tremor throughout the ice-bound form, and the moon coming out from behind a cloud, shone down on the rigid figure of a beautiful woman, sculptured in clear, transparent ice. There stood the ghost of Harrowby Hall, conquered by the cold, a prisoner for all time. The heir of Harrowby Hall had won at last, and today, in a large storage house in London, stands the frigid form of one who will never again flood the house of Oglethorpe with woe and seawater. As for the heir of Harrowby, 
His success in coping with a ghost has made him famous, a fame that still lingers about him, although his victory took place some 20 years ago. And so far from being unpopular with the fair sex, as he was when we first knew him, he has not only been married twice, but is to lead a third bride to the altar before the year is out. Thanks for listening. Thank you to my author this week, John Kendrick Bangs, wherever you may be, sir. And I hope you're all having a fantastic end of the year. Goodbye, 2023. Although I will be seeing you one more time before the end of the year, don't worry. No time off here at Scary to Sleep. I really hope you enjoyed that story. I thought it was absolutely perfect for this time of year. I think it's a great one that you can actually play for the kids and around family. A lot of these Victorian ones are, but some of them get a little more confusing or darker and I thought this one was so fun. It's it's kind of funny and I, I loved the part that wasn't supposed to be funny at the time, but the reference to the asbestos-lined building. <laughs> that didn't age very well. Actually, I was thinking about it and was like, wow, imagine writing a sequel to this where uh, they went in and had to strip all the asbestos out because now we know what we know about it. And that's how the water ghost got out. And now she's going to be torturing the new heir of Harrowby Hall here in 2023. <laughs> Do you think that um, Mr. Bangs's ghost would haunt me if I wrote a an unofficial sequel? Because I think that would be pretty fun. What do you think? If you'd like to hear a sequel, let me know because I think that would be a really fun little writing exercise. Oh, and as usual, you can find this show ad-free on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. And for $3 and up, you can get bonus episodes of which there are a few, a few new ones. So I've been doing every two weeks, I've been releasing a new little mini bonus episode. They're usually about 10 minutes long. And there is a new Christmas-themed one. It's Christmas and Black-Eyed Kids. Uh, it's great. It's a little fun little little morsel, a little bite of a, of a horror story that's Christmas-themed. So if you'd like to join the Patreon, again, $1 a month, you get ad-free normal episodes. For $3 and up, you get access to those bonus episodes. And I'm going to start, I have started, I have already started, where every two weeks you will be getting a new little bonus episode. I plan on having another bonus episode soon on the main channel. Um, oh, actually, before I get into my ramble, let's see. Uh, if you'd like to follow the show on social media, you can follow me at Scare You to Sleep uh, at Twitter and Instagram and um, Facebook. Someone asked recently if I was on Threads, and I'm not. Uh, not for any particular reason. I think it freaked me out a little bit at first because. There was, I don't know if this is still a thing, but if you join threads and then you decide you want to delete it, it deletes your whole Instagram account. I don't know. It kind of freaked me out. But um, maybe if, if there's interest, I mean, I guess there is interest. I've had people inquire about it. I saw someone ask in the Facebook group and on Instagram, someone asked about it. So maybe I'll join threads. We'll see. Um, I'm on Blue Sky personally at Shelby B. Scott, which is also where you can find um, my personal Twitter is at Shelby B. Scott and my personal Instagram also at Shelby B. Scott. 
If you'd like to submit a story to be considered for the show, you can send it to scareyoutosleep at gmail.com. Get in those submissions too, by the way. I'm thinking of shutting down my submissions for fiction stories for a little bit just because I'm so behind in submissions and I'd like to get start I'd like to go through all of them that I have and comb through and see what is what I can use on the show. And so please get in those stories before the new year if you'd like to submit a fictional story. And if you were looking for some motivation to finally write or finish that fiction story that you'd like to submit, then here it is. Here's your motivation. I just gave you a deadline. (laughs) And now into the ramble part of the episode where I just talk to you until you fall asleep or until you turn this off because you're not a fan of the rambles or... Um, some mysterious third thing. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to talk about earlier? Oh, I started to talk about the bonus episodes. Yeah, so I had a lot of plans. My plans this year just don't seem to go to plan, um, for doing some bonus episodes that were going to come out next week. Um, I was actually going to do work on one today. Uh, today is Friday because I was almost done with this water ghost story. I was done. I was so close. I was so close to editing. It's just a little peak behind the curtain of the scary to sleep process. I was almost done with it yesterday. And I was like, you know what? I'm almost done. This is a perfect time to just kind of take off. It wasn't even early. It was just not over time for me, (laughs) which is early. And so I was like, I'm going to be done at a decent hour. I'm going to go read my book. I'm going to take a bath. I'm going to eat a s'more because s'mores have been my dessert of choice recently. (laughs) And I did that thinking, you know what? I'm almost done tomorrow. All I have to do is the intro and the outro and like a a little bit of fine tuning of the episode itself, of the story itself. And I'm going to work on, oh, if if you hear a, a strange noise, it's my chair. It's not my body. It's my chair. But anyway, I uh, was like, this is perfect. I'm going to I'm going to get that done real quick in the morning. Then I will work on a bonus episode that I can schedule for to come out like next Tuesday. And it'll be like on a, a regular on the regular feed bonus episode, not just for the Patreon. So I was very excited. Um, and then life happened and my grandmother was very sick. So I spent the day taking her to various urgent cares for various reasons because healthcare in this country is excellent. It's just so fun. You guys, it's so fun. I don't even have to tell you how fun healthcare in this country is. So I spent, um, a majority of my day doing that. Cause you, if anyone has ever gone to an urgent care, you understand how long it takes. And I went to three today. So, and this is not to, uh, try to get any sympathy, like, Oh, it's so sad for me. It's just, I'm just trying to explain why the, um, I was going to have a bonus episode for you and I might still next week. Who knows? It depends. Um, next week's a holiday. We'll see how things go. My life's been topsy turvy. Um, but, uh, we're gonna, we're getting there. We're getting there. Look at me being back on track, getting stuff done. Here we go into 2024. God, I can't wait for 2024. I have so much more, more better things, (laughs) more better things waiting for me in 2024 2023 was just um not my best year I definitely like it's definitely going to be one where I look back and it's like oh wow that whole year the whole year can um 
I was, it was not a great, if, if my life were bottles of wine and I went and grabbed the 2023 one off the shelf, I would look at it and say, oh, that was a terrible year <laughs> and uh, not a good year for the grapes. And it, it also, the bottle of wine will have probably just turned to vinegar in the bottle. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to go because I'm just whining about my life now. I'm just in uh, being vague. I've been so vague. Uh, sorry. Uh, there's legal stuff going on. So I, I'd like to stay vague for a while and, you know, just as much as I like to be an open book for all of you folks. Um, there's some things that, you know, I just need to keep private for now. Oh, for now, because in the future I will be able to talk about some of this stuff. But for now, it is private and unfortunately. So anyway, I'm just giving you all the love and good vibes. I hope you can feel it through the airwaves because seriously, I try to send out so much love and positivity through my show every week. Even though it's a scary show, I try to really imbue it with loving energy. And I hope you can feel it if you believe in that sort of thing. Because if you do, then you feel it. I hope so. Because I really try to. And, um, I can't get sappy yet. I still have one more episode. We can't get end of the year sappy yet. It's too early. Okay. I'm going to go. I hope you're all enjoying your holidays. If the holiday season's a, a hard time for you, I completely understand. This holiday season has been very difficult for me, um, emotionally and for a lot of reasons. And I just know you have someone who completely understands here and it is okay. It's okay if it's not easy. It doesn't feel like it's okay, but it is, you are valid in your feelings. And sometimes the holidays are really hard and that's okay because they're going to be over soon. That's all, that's all I can say. I love the holidays, but sometimes they can be very lonely. They can feel very lonely and you know, they'll be over soon. And you don't have to be lonely. You have me. I'm here. You can listen to this show over and over and over again. And I would appreciate it if you did. <laughs> so I'm going to go. Oh, oh, baking. I will update you next week, but I do want to give a sneak peek. So I'm going to attempt a bouche de Noel. Pardon my French. And I don't mean because I said curse words, literally pardon my terrible French accent. All of my French listeners? I don't know how many French listeners. Any of my um, Canadian listeners? Any Quebecois out there who are listening? Pardon my the way I just pronounced that, but it's a Yule log for those of us who have terrible French accents. A Yule log, you know, the cake where you roll it up with the cream in the middle and then you make it look like a log. And I'm going to try it. And <laughs> I've watched so many chefs fail at it on baking shows and competitions and just on YouTube, watching YouTube videos, I read an article and it was like one of the bakers from King Arthur Flower. And so that means she's awesome at baking and she had to do it like four times. And I don't like waste. And so I'm not going to do it four times. I'm only going to do it once. So my plan is, <laughs> my plan is, is, is if it doesn't roll properly and it just splits and cracks and falls to pieces, I'm going to dust it with like Oreo crumbs and make it a log that was already lit on fire and maybe add some sort of red at somewhere. Um, maybe some melted red Jolly Ranchers to make it look like embers around it. So yeah, if you are planning a Bouche de Noel this uh, holiday season, 
feel free to steal my idea about salvaging it and being like, I meant to do that. It's a crackling fire. <laughs> I didn't mess up. What are you talking about? I mean, it's going to taste fine. It's, I'm going to do, I, there's a bunch of different recipes for it. The, the center, the cream part I'm going to do is I found this like marshmallow kind of cream filling that I want to try. And I don't know which cake recipe I'm going to go with. I kind of thought about doing the black forest one with like the cherries and the dark chocolate. But I think I'm going to do the marshmallow, just regular chocolate, because I think more people will enjoy that at my holiday gathering. Um, so wish me luck. I'll report back next week, tell you how it went. <laughs> Give me good uh, rolling vibes. Cake, cake rolling vibes. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go. Okay. I love you guys so much. Please, 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 please drink your water. It's that time of year where you're not sweating as much, so you forget, but you're still dehydrated. You see how itchy your skin gets in the winter? You know what helps that? Drinking water. So drink your water. Go get some sleep. Sweet dreams.